I have been blessed and given the privilege to preach this morning. Today, we're going to be covering the topic of fellowship, and we're going to be reading through 1 John. So let's go ahead, open our Bibles to 1 John, chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That's what, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We say we have not sinned. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word that guides us and teaches us how to follow you. But it also reveals to us, it reveals to us the truth that we are in need of a savior. It reveals to us the redemption story that you could not leave us in that state where we were sinners. But Lord, you wanted to establish that fellowship again with us. And today as um, I talk about the fellowship that, we, that you had in the beginning and the fellowship that we can receive, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our minds to understand it more fully and that you would help us to see the beauty of your word and how it brings freedom. Empower me to speak the truth, to love the people that are here, and that your name may be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just so you guys know, I'm not really a preacher. I'm more of a teacher. So if you, I'm going to be going through some facts, some things of that nature. But I'm um, just going to start out with uh, the book of 1 John. So we know it was written by John, hence the title. Uh, he was the son of Zebedee. And he was a very passionate man. And so to say passionate would be small, but in Luke 9, 51 to 56, um, Jesus is going to the Samaritan villages, and he gets rejected. And so this is what John had to say about that. He said, when the days drew near from him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him, and he went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you not want to tell fire to come down in, of heaven and consume these people? All right, so first of all, John is very passionate. He, he, he was like burning for this passion to have justice. And Jesus says, turns to him and says, uh, and just rebukes him. He says, no, sorry, no, I'm not going to do that. And they went on to another village. And so first of all, the character, we gotta, as we're reading this, we've got to pull in the character of, of who John is. He's a very passionate man. And so when he met Jesus Christ, 
he had something to really push that passion through. He was able to take the passion that he might have had before for either himself or for justice or for the law. And Jesus was able to take that and transform it into something else. Another thing he was driven by was love. John was known as the apostle of love. He even says it himself in, in John 12, 23. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. John's talking about himself. And again, uh, in John 20, uh, verse 2. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the disciples, and the one, one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Again, he's a man of love. And, and as you walk through John, you'll see that over and over again. John is a man who desires to be loved. He even talks about himself being the one who is loved by Jesus. Um, again, in John 21, 7, he says, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay? Um, and then in 21, uh, verse 2, he says, Peter turned and saw uh, the disciple f- from whom Jesus loved following them. All right, so again and again. And, and for me, when, when I, I knew I was going to preach, um, this was the first thing that came to mind. And it's because I, I think I, I track closely to John. Um, he is a very passionate person, um, he, but he's also a very loving person. And I'm not saying I'm always loving, but I'm saying I desire to be loved. My, one of my, uh, my life verses, 1 John 4, 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And so tracking through this, we, we got to see the passion that John had in writing this to the church, the passion that John had writing it to us, and to the passion that John had in the, in the love that he had for us to be a part of the fellowship of God. So in, in, in John's uh, book, he, he starts out by establishing who he's writing about. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And he starts out a lot like John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. But he says, it says, That which was from the beginning. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. Let's go ahead and turn there in our Bibles. So who is this God, that he's t- or who is this person he's talking about who was in the beginning? And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and he created the earth. Okay? So first of all, we know God. And the earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we have two characters so far. We have God, the Father, and we also have the Spirit that was hovering. And there's someone missing that hasn't been described here yet. We talked a little bit last week in, in our um, Sunday school lesson about how the word Elohim is plural, and it could be referring to the Trinity. But it doesn't specifically say Jesus Christ here. But if we go to John chapter 1, let's go ahead and turn there, John chapter 1. Verse 1. 
says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In this, John is talking about Jesus Christ. So by John's testimony, he is putting Jesus Christ at the very beginning. All right? And as we go through 1 John, we'll see the main theme of this is the fellowship that, that John's describing of what we should have with the Father one and one another. So first of all, he's establishing the fellowship between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, and he does that further on when actually Jesus establishes it in John 17, 24. He, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. I, I know we all can say God is love, but how can God be love if he has nothing to love? It, how can he have an attribute that is not used until he creates something? Right? It was he sitting there loving himself all the time? But no. If God is love, there has to be the Trinity. There has to be someone to love. And so Jesus Christ says, even for the creation of the world, you loved. You loved me. Okay? And this is the fellowship that we had at the very beginning with God. We are part of this fellowship at creation. Adam and Eve were created. They had this wonderful fellowship with God. Oh, sorry. So let's, let's look at the, what the Bible says about what fellowship is in the Old Testament. Um, so I'm, I'm going to probably botch this. This is a, a Hebrew word. But it, uh, the Hebrew word for something close to fellowship is chavar. Chavar. Okay? There's a little throat thing there. Um, but the idea of chavar is to have something in common to have a shared house, to be binding or joining together, to have a companion, and in, in, even used in Malachi about having a wife, okay? But then we go from the fellowship we have there in the Old Testament to going to the New Testament. We have koinonia. You guys know the word koinonia for fellowship, for uh, companions, for something, having something in common. The base meaning is for, for us to have something in common with one another, Okay? Um, but a little thing about the Old Testament, the word for uh, fellowship in the Old Testament is actually not used of God and man. It's actually used of person to person, husband and wife. And the relationship is not the fellowship that we wish we had in the Old Testament. They didn't have the type of fellowship that we is available to us today. They didn't have the, the tri the triune fellowship that we have access to today. So in describing, in describing our relationship to God, first we need to understand that God's relationship with the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit together was perfect. And at one point, one point, we messed it all up. And so let's, let's talk about what happened. Let's, um, let's go to Genesis 3. 
7 through 10. So we have God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all at the beginning, perfect fellowship. Adam and Eve come into the picture, great fellowship. I mean, <laughs> they're even in the garden. And the example before we, you know, we, we find out that they've, they've fallen, but the example is God is just walking in the garden. He's like, hey, Adam, Eve, where are you guys at, you know? Wouldn't that be cool just to, hey, there's God over there. Hey, God, come over, let's talk, you know, type of thing. That's the fellowship they had. But what happened was when they ate, when they decided to go against what God had designed for them to do, they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then suddenly their eyes, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So we've got a few things going on here. We have Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, and the first thing that happened is they realized that they were naked. They had this perfect fellowship between one another. They were not ashamed of who they were. They had nothing to hide. And they had this perfect fellowship with one another. And with God, it was the first thing that broke. The fellowship they had with one another was the first thing that broke. And the second thing we realize is that they hid from God because they were ashamed. They were ashamed because the fellowship between them and God had been broken. When we are walking in the true fellowship that God wants us to have. The true fellowship that is an example is the triune God. We should not be ashamed. We should not be ashamed. There's nothing to hide. It's the fellowship that God wants us to be in. And we're going to go further into that later on. But that's, the, that's where we are right now. That we are, um, in, in Genesis, we, the fall of man and, and, and throughout the Old Testament, many times man tried to reestablish that relationship and wanting to either be like or be God himself. But God helped us in all that to restore that fellowship. And one of the first things that I, I've seen, I've been doing a study about Moses um, and God. And there's actually some parts in Exodus. So let's go to Exodus 32, 7 through 11. So we have Moses who, he just brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And they um, go and do their own thing as he goes up on the mountain and he's talking with God. and, and, um, And all of a sudden, God says, to Moses, go down because your people whom you, whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and, and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I might destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Okay? And then Moses 
sought favor with the Lord God. And he said, Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out, out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? And so as you read through this story about how God delivered or Moses delivered, it actually goes back and forth sometimes. The story about the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt, there's many times in, in the text there's discrepancies where we have God doing the work, but also Moses is doing the work. So who's doing the work? Who's doing the act? I mean, God says right here, who, whom you brought up out of Egypt. He's like, and this, is, this is all you, Moses. But then Moses turns around and says, no, this is all you. You, you did the work, God. And we have this discrepancy in the text where it's like, I, I, I really think what's happening here is Moses' heart and desire was so for the Lord. His fellowship with him was so close that their wills were so closely intertwined that really when God was doing the work, Moses was doing the work because it was his will. Right? And that's the fellowship that God wants us to have with him again. Our fellowship with the Father should be as if we are one. Should be as if we are one. Not our will, but his will. God is wanting our fellowship with him to be restored. To be restored. That's the whole reason why, even in the very beginning, right when the fall happened, when we were going through the different punishments, these are the things that are going to happen. He has a plan of restoration right at the beginning. Right at the very beginning, God decided he would restore this. He would take our mistake and restore it. Let's, let's go to John 17, 20 through 23. Jesus Christ even talks about our oneness with him. I love when, when Jesus prayed for us. You know Jesus prayed for us specifically? He prayed for us. He said in John 17... 20 through 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Okay? He was talking about his disciples. Now he's talking about us. We believed through the message. Okay? That all may be, uh, all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, and may you also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Okay. First of all, Jesus Christ is one with God, triune. But now he's wanting the same thing for us, that we may be one with them. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that, I, that, that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Oh, the fellowship that is offered to us through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He res he's restoring that through this. He hasn't gotten to the cross yet, but he is, his heart's desire is to bring us into that fellowship, to bring us into that communion with him again. And throughout the whole Old Testament, you had, you had these priests who weren't able to go in front of God except for one time. And you had to be perfect. You could, if you had, they actually tied a, a bell 
uh, and a rope around the high priest who went in behind the curtain just in case he fell down dead. They had to pull him out. And that was the fear that they had. I, I could, uh, the, and the restoration that God, that Jesus is wanting through this, he wants to restore all this. Could you imagine being the, the priests that are working in the temple right when Jesus died? You have this curtain being torn in two. And you're like, oh my goodness, we're going to die. We're going to die. But they didn't. Because Jesus Christ made a way for us to have fellowship with him again. And so John here is so excited. By establishing Jesus Christ, he says, I want to share with something share something with you that's going to bring not only me so much joy, but also you. And he says, All things were made through him, talking about Jesus Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life, the life that was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never come in. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm reading John. My bad. I was like, man, that didn't sound right. All right, 1 John, sorry. 1 John 1. I was like, I was getting there. Uh, okay, so let me go back over here. Um, I'll just start at the beginning. That which, which was with the Father, uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard. This is not just something that happened. We have seen it and heard it. It's saying, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. Isn't that beautiful? He's writing these things to us so that we can be a part of that fellowship again. Sometimes we take fellowship for granted. I, I know I have in, in the past. There's churches I've been at where I would um, just go and serve and serve and serve and serve and serve and, and it'd just be great to serve, but after a while, I started to be like, man, I would love to really get to know some of the people I'm serving with because, I mean, if you're constantly doing something, you might not have those deeper, deeper conversations. And so I was um, at First Baptist Roanoke with my wife a while back, and at one point I was so just tired of constantly serving, constantly just putting myself out there to do things for people. And I was like, you know what? No one invites us over to their house. No one really wants to spend time talking with us because all they want to do is say, oh, you can do this. Okay, so do that over there. You can do this, so do that over there. And I got so tired of it, and I started getting bitter, and guys like Michael... Stop. All right? Why don't you ask someone if they want to come over to your house? Why don't you initiate the fellowship? Why don't you reach out? And so I did. I, uh, um, a friend of mine, named Chad, well, he actually lives about an hour away from here. Um, and I, was, I said, hey, do you want to get together? And he's like, yeah, sure. And so we started meeting monthly. I think it was maybe once or twice a month. And it was the, the, some of the best times that I, I've had with a friend. Um, we lived life together. We talked about things. And it wasn't like we had to be with each other all the time. But we were deliberate about the fellowship that we had. 
We made sure that we spent time together. And we took that fellowship that we had with God and we turned it to the fellowship that we have with one another. So not only is our fellowship with God important, the fellowship with God directly relates to our fellowship with others. Okay? How we spend time with God will result in how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. Fellowship is very important, and God wants the right fellowship. Um, <clears throat> and, and really, as we, as we go along through, the, through 6 through 8, 1 John 6 through 8, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him we walk, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so we got this dichotomy. It's saying our fellowship with him, but then it's saying our fellowship with each other and how that works together. So if we are honestly, this right here is sort of a litmus test. It can be used as a litmus test. Some people say for your salvation. I would say more is our litmus test for our fellowship, our fellowship with God. Are we walking in the light? that God wants us to be in? Are we, are we saying that he is Lord? Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we went out and, and set up a table at the National Night Out, and we were sharing the gospel with people that were coming by. And I was talking to this um, young lady. I think her name was Jennifer. I can't remember. Um, I think it was. Um, and, and we got to the point where I was reading through this whole thing. We are answering all the questions. She was doing a great job. And I got to the point where I... I said, um, uh, one thing that Christ has asked us to do is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I said, okay. And then I stopped for a second. I was like, wait, let's, just, let's talk about that. Confess that he is Lord. Okay. Lord is such an, old, is an older word. We don't talk about lords today. Um, we might have a boss. Tell us what to do. You know, he's right, I'm wrong. Um, but really it's saying, God, you know what is right, and I don't. I could be Lord, or I could be the boss of my own life. And Jesus Christ saying, no, 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 no. I love you so much, and I want to take your bossiness, what you think is right, and I want you to make me Lord because I want to help you. I want to love you. I want to care for you, but also want to transform you. And that's where it starts, where we say, God, your way is right, and my way is not. And, and in this, in this time where we say, yes, you're right, God, I do have darkness. And we, we don't lie to ourselves anymore. We just say, yes, you're right, I do have darkness, and I can't walk in that anymore. All right? It's not the, like, okay, you know, I am a Christian, and I'm, I'm walking in the light, oh, and I stumble or, uh, you know, I turn back for, no, I, I got to keep going this way. It's not that. This is walk in darkness. That's a consistent thing. That's constantly walking in the darkness and lying to ourselves. It says, we need to make God Lord so he can define what the light is so that we can't even walk. We can't even walk in the light unless we know what it is. And so here, our fellowship with God and the way we walk in the light with him will directly affect the way we treat our brothers and sisters. Positively, all right? 
So uh, we were commanded in, in John 13, 14. It says, if I, then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So we are commanded to serve. And if we def- look at God and say, you know what? You, you said this is true. You said we should do these things. Okay, so I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to serve. We should also love one another. A new command, command I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Okay? Another commandment, to show honor. And uh, Romans 12, 2. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I mean, I, I, it, this is sort of silly, but like, we don't do this type of thing all the time. But like, say if we had all these people trying to honor someone and we're like jumping over each other. Say there's a girl walking to the door. We're like, oh, I'm going to get the door from there. Like all these guys just jumping to open the door and we're tripping over each other. We don't do that, of course, but I think that's sort of the picture where we do our best to live our lives in honoring one another, putting ourselves in a place where we look at people more important than ourselves. It's not easy. Trust me. It's not easy. We also feel for one another. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. And I just want to say, stop right here real quick. And over this past week, I've seen this church feel and love and weep and care for the Agri family. And it's been a blessing to see that. You all care for them so much. And we, we do care for you guys a lot. I know I've been here for just a couple months, but I care for you guys so deeply. And the fellowship that you guys have together is so evident. There is, you are walking in the light. Now, there might be times that we might look back and be like, no, we're not. But this is what being the body of Christ means, to fellowship with one another. We're not hiding things. We're sharing things. We're helping each other. We're being burden lifters for each other. Not to burden people consistently, you know, but to lift each other's burdens together to have the true fellowship, okay? And I just want to thank you guys for the blessing that I've seen you've been to the Acre family. It also says that we should also f- live at peace with one another. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That's a hard one. It really is. There's times for myself where I'm just like, that's not how it's done. It's done like this. I don't know what you're doing, but you need to stop it. That's in all of us. It really is. And then forgive one another. Um, Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ, a God in Christ forgave you. That's another direct correlation with our relationship with God. And then one of my favorite ones is Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none may fall, none may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, man, I love coming in and seeing people like, hey, how are you doing? It's so great to see you. And just loving on them. I love doing that. Don't, I don't always do it. Trust me, there's days I'm like, hey, what's up? Bye. There's times that happen, but the joy that comes, because when we're exhorting one another, we're, we're building up the body. The, the oneness that Christ wants us to have. 
Now, just so you know, these can be negative too. When we are not in relation with the Lord, we're not honoring one another. We're not caring for one another. We're not being peaceful with one another. We're not forgiving one another. We're not encouraging one another. We are not serving one another or loving one another. So we've got to be careful on our relationship with the Lord and how, it, how we need to focus on, on that, our fellowship with God. And it's not, not saying, oh, yeah, here, I'm going to do works. I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'll be good with God fellowship-wise. No, it's just realizing the breakdown from what we had before to the fellowship that is openly available at all times and living in that, not ignoring it, but living in that. And finally, um, we have the relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the relationship between us and the Father. We have the relationship between brothers. But then we have um, the relationship that God wants to restore with those who do not know him. The fellowship that God desires for those who do not know him. In writing 1 John, I know, I, I know that um, he wanted more than just to remind people that they need to walk in light. They need to define what truth is by God's standard. But he also says here that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a message of hope and forgiveness that we need to share because we have been given that gift. I, I was reading this one time, um, and, it, and I, it, it just someone pointed it out. It says that we can be forgiven from our sins, and, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness because there's sins that we do every single day we don't realize we're doing that he can cleanse us of, even if we don't know him. And he will reveal those eventually, but... We have the gift of salvation. We have been given love and care. So our next step is to share that love. John 17, 25 to 26. Righteous, Jesus says in his last prayer, he says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus Christ wants us all to know him and be in him. In Second Peter, he writes, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that's what our, our fellowship should do. Our fellowship with the Father, perfect example of fellowship to us, our fellowship with one another, should bring us all to wanting to include others in the fellowship. Because we're all one point outside of the fellowship. It's not a, a group of people, you're not VIPs, you're not, you are sinners that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been given the fellowship that was destroyed at the beginning. You've been given a free gift. So with the fellowship we have one, with one another, we should also include others in that fellowship and have the same heart that Christ had in bringing others to repentance. 
So a challenge for you, a challenge for you today, how do you do that? How are you bringing other people into your fellowship? When was the last time you saw someone that you've never met and talked with them and, and either shared the gospel or invited them to come to your house? Or you, you took time out of your schedule and said, hey, God, I want to be a person that goes and, and shares the fellowship that you have given to me. And this is something that has to be deliberate. It can't be like, okay, well, I'm just going to go and do my own thing. Oh, I see that over there, but I'm just going to continue. We have to deliberately look and be praying for these things because we can miss them. We can miss them so easily. We can get to the point where we are so stuck in, in what we're doing that we miss the opportunity to bring other people into the fellowship. And so because of the fellowship that God has given us through the perfect model of the Trinity, because of the fellowship that was restored between God and man through Jesus Christ, and because of how that affects our fellowship and our love for one another, let us be people that invite and love and bring people into the fellowship. And may it be for our joy to be complete as we share this message of fellowship. I was talking to the students today, and one thing I said, how, how would you share to someone who doesn't know Christ, how would you share with them their need for the presence of God? Or really, their need for a Savior. And, and that's something, that even for myself, when I was growing up, I wasn't able to walk up to someone and say, hey, so uh, you need Jesus? I didn't know what to say past that. That was about it. And, and so for myself, growing up in the church, there was just a lot of things that I needed to grow in. And I think all of us as a church, we need to, to figure out and, and pray through and read the Word of God and, and ask, God, how do I share that love? It could be through just times together and they see something different. It could be through the direct gospel presentation of, hey, And what I usually do is take them to the good person test. You've probably heard that before, but God loves you. He doesn't want you to be in pain. He doesn't want you to be sorrowful. It will happen, yes, but Jesus Christ came to redeem all things to himself, and one day all the sin and pain and sorrow will pass, and you will be given eternal life through the resurrection. Maybe it's that. I don't know what... And, and that's the cool thing about ministry is that we're all called to be ministers, we're all called to make disciples, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us individually. And I can give you an outline of, you know, this is what you could possibly do, but just because I gave you an outline doesn't mean it's going to work that way. But, so this week, just really in general, a challenge for you all. Pray and ask God to reveal someone to you that you could bring into the fellowship, that you could share the love of Christ with and show them the freedom that comes with the restoration of our relationship with God. Right. Thanks for listening. This message has been brought to you by Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit us on the web at www.baconscastle.com.